What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Game Ball. You know, I know it's been a long time coming since this uh, since this next episode, but you know, it's officially here. Uh, shout out to Payne Ramsey to being being signed by the Carolina Panthers and Jarrett Patterson. It's some great accomplishments right there. But in this episode, it's going to be co-hosted by my boy Drew Byrne, and we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers, Drama, Julio Jones, uh, making some predictions for the draft classes, and talk a little bit about Tra- Travis Etienne and his possible position change. Oh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Glad to be back on the pod, hopefully more consistently now. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm planning on it because I, I have nothing else going on, at least with school. So it's going to be you know, a lot, a lot more. A lot more time available. But uh, to start it off, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I know this subject has kind of come and go and it's kind of, you know, calmed down a little bit. But the constant drama was he requested to be traded from Green Bay. He didn't want to be there. You know, he, he even threatened to retire, so on and so forth. And I personally think that he's just going to be resigned to a better extension with some guaranteed money and have everything be okay. Um, you know, because that's usually what happens – and I feel like this isn't like the first time it's happened with Aaron Rodgers. And it probably won't be the last, but I think he's going to get some money and he's going to be fine and happy with Green Bay. And some of his closer friends like John Kuhn and, and uh, uh, A.J. Hawk have even said that's a fixable situation. So I don't think it's anything crazy. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this happens with a couple of quarterbacks every year. They come out. But really, I think it's just that he wants more help and he wants them to actually draft players who are going to help him. But... Yeah, I can't – I do not see him retiring, that's for sure. I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers just deciding, ah, I'm done now. I've made it to the NFC Championship game back-to-back. I, I don't want to play anymore. I, th- I think that's it. Like, I, I don't think he's going to go and host Jeopardy instead of playing football. Yeah, Jeopardy's Jeff, always – Yeah, he's got his whole life to play Jeopardy. Yeah, but exactly. He's only got a few more years to play football, so I don't see why he would leave now. Yeah, Jeffrey's always going to be there for him, and I, I, I think it's going to be fine. I don't think the GM is going to be fired. He's still going to be there, and Rogers and doing some anarchy, throwing it over, throwing, throwing, uh, overthrowing the power here. But the one thing I have to say though is, think about Aaron Rodgers, right? He's thirty-seven years old. He's probably he's he's no he's no Tom Brady. He's been hurt a couple of times. I say he has what three more years left until he's forty, right? You know, I think that's a fair amount of time for him, and. The thing about this whole trade situation is I think it shows two like it could show it, I could just be reading too far into it. Like maybe Aaron Rodgers is just the best position for the Packers right now because they have a good team. He can, you know, obviously put them in a better situation to lead them to a Super Bowl. But the two things are either the Packers weren't getting as much value as the media was saying, because he is an aging aging quarterback with only three years left, you know. So maybe he wasn't in the value that they they wanted. Or Jordan Love isn't good because if Jordan was, Love was any good, they would probably just say, "Yo, Jordan, come in here, come play. You're fine. We can get a bunch of, you know, uh, assets back, and you can play and take over the position." And no one knows anything about Jordan Love because obviously a media wasn't available to go see it, but the Packers haven't said anything about it. So I think it just shows that Jordan Love either isn't that good, or Aaron Rodgers is not worth as much as people think he was. Yeah, I think Jordan Love isn't that good, to be honest. Like, I'm just saying, if the Packers have that much confidence, like when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes, 
they just let go of Alex Smith. I know Alex Smith is obviously a lot worse than Aaron Rodgers, but they just let Alex Smith go for nothing. Like, if they thought Jordan Love was going to be some sort of quarterback who could actually lead them to the playoffs and, you know, maybe a Super Bowl, maybe not this year, but in the next three, five years, then they just trade Aaron Rodgers away for a bunch of draft picks, some good players, and then just roll with that because in five years, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be playing, I don't think. So their future would be with Jordan Love, but I just – I don't think they believe their future is with Jordan Love, and I don't believe their future is Jordan Love either. Yeah, no, I agree. And Patrick Mahomes is obviously a little bit better than Jordan Love is. But you got – and Alex Smith, like you said, is worse than Aaron Rodgers. But the thing is Aaron Rodgers still has his own flaws in terms of – like you don't want this as a as a team that your quarterback – you know, I know Russell Wilson d- does it, done it before, but Aaron Rodgers is like way worse with it and actually like wants to leave, you can tell. And you don't want that, you know, on your – that type of player on your team. So I think it's just – Jordan Love isn't necessarily a Patrick Mahomes 2.0 around here. But uh, moving on, we got Julio Jones, and, you know, there's been a lot of rumors saying that come June 1st, that's when the Falcons are going to trade him. They can't afford him. Uh, he's He has $16 million due this year, and they just – they are in salary cap hell, as people have been saying. And Julio is a good player, but he is, what, 33 years old right now. And so I think that he can definitely be on the move. And my I, I was – you know, asked you to find a couple of teams that he could possibly play on. A lot of people still think he will remain on the Falcons, but if he does have him be traded, I've narrowed it down to two teams. All right. So the two teams I've narrowed down are, so the, first of all, there's 32 teams in the NFL, right? And obviously they can't, he's not going to be on the Falcons. And I guarantee you, they're not going to trade him to a team, in the NFC. So that automatically cuts it to 16 teams, in my opinion. Then I looked at the salary cap and I think each team needs at least 10 million in salary cap or more to be able to trade for him, you know, obviously they'll have to cut some players. But from those uh, 16 teams, only eight teams have eight uh, have a $10 million or more in salary cap, all right, in the AFC. And then I looked at those eight teams and said, like, which ones need a wide receiver? You know, there's the Browns were there, the Chargers were there, but they don't need a wide receiver. So the two teams I think that could trade for him are the Patriots and the, the Colts. You know, I think that Julio will be able to be perfect in the Colts system, have T.Y., because he's aging. T.Y. Helm's very old and just not as good anymore. But if he can be the slot guy, perfect position for him. Michael Pittman can line up opposite side of Julio. That'd be a good destination. Carson Wentz can have his targets. And then obviously the Patriots. The Patriots love to get these older guys, bring them in, have success, like they did with Randy Moss. And Randy Moss had an amazing career with, you know, amazing season with the Patriots. Obviously helped him almost go undefeated, but, you know. Best team in football beat them. But I think those are the two uh, just best situation or like most likely scenarios for Julio to get traded to based off of the money, where the, uh, what conference they're in, and the need for a wide receiver. Yeah. I also, one of them is also the Colts. I really like the Colts, to be honest. If I had to, if I could trade into any team, it would be the Colts. I feel like that'd be really interesting. Give them a, a true number one wide receiver, as you said, as TY sort of. It's on the decline. They could get Julio Jones in there. But I don't know. I don't really see the Patriots. And that's just because, obviously, Bill Belichick is a very de- defensive coach. And they just spent an insane amount of money on targets in free agency. So I just don't know if they're going to put all of their money onto the offensive side of the ball in the next couple of years. But the other team I have is the Eagles. I like the Eagles. I know they're another NFC team. But... 
I feel like they're trying to surround Jalen Hurts with as much talent as possible to sort of give him the best chance to succeed, or at least they'll know if he does bad with Julio Jones and Devontae Smith, then he's not the guy, and then they can move on from him. And their wide receivers are terrible anyways. So I feel like they might as well go try to get Julio Jones, try to make some noise in a very winnable NFC East. I, I want to go that far with a winnable NFC East. The Giants, they do exist, all right? So pump the brakes right there. <laughs> but uh, no, I definitely can see that. And something I was, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the wide receiver draft class uh, later in the show. But when I was looking at Devontae Smith and just the type of player he is, he's a solid receiver. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be some number one superstar receiver that people you know, might think he is because he won Heisman. I get that. But Devontae, you know, he can be a, a good number two. And I think that uh, if Julio comes in there, he'll allow Devontae Smith to also flourish. And I don't think that Smith and the Eagles will work out if Smith is automatically forced to be the number one. And another team I thought might trade for Julio is, you know, they love they love their flashy guys are the Raiders. But the Raiders have no money. They have nothing. They have like $3 million in salary cap. So there's no way that they're going to try to make a move for Julio. Yeah, the only other team I was thinking about was the Ravens. But, I mean, they've drafted wide receivers in the first round, like, to the last three years. Like, I feel like they've already invested so much, and since they've got such a run-heavy offense and they don't have a lot of salary cap, I just can't see that one happening. Yeah, and they also got Sammy, so I think they're kind of, like, satisfied with the receiving court. Even though it's not that special, it's, you know, better than what it was okay. before. And I think if they are going to trade for Julio, they probably would have had a trade. I would, I would say they should like already make a trade now because I don't I don't know I don't think their assets are that that important to the Falcons come next year but this year I think they you know they could have traded away that first round pick that got Rashad Bateman and the Falcons would be fine with that but you know obviously I went out the window so next I want to talk about before we move on to the draft class I guess it has to do with the draft. Just a little little funny thing, it's smoke screens. Uh, I always feel like during the NFL, people always talk about smoke screens and how it's, you know, oh, we have to say we want somebody so we can get this other guy. And teams can execute it really well. And other teams, you know, just the Giants, I guess you could say, just don't execute it at all. Because I feel like every year the Giants always leak the guy they want. And it, it always they always get the guy taken before them, whether it's Leonard Floyd, or Devonte Smith this year, and I guess my couple questions I have are: what, why would it, why are certain teams good at smoke screens and other teams are just terrible at it? And why don't teams do it more often? You know, because why not just throw a name you don't want just to see if somebody else will bite on it? No, I agree, and I was thinking about this earlier, and I feel like a lot of teams just go out and say the guy they want, and then like especially this year, because I feel like. The Falcons basically said they wanted Kyle Pitts. Obviously, the top two picks were pretty much locked in like two months before the draft. It came out a few weeks before that the Bengals won Jamar Chase and that the Dolphins thought that Jalen Waddle was going to be the next Hall of Fame wide receiver. So I feel like a lot of these teams are just going out and saying who they want. But I don't really know why some teams are better than others. It's probably because like the people who they have leaking the information, they're more of like, on the same game plan and they know that it's a smoke screen instead of just telling people hey this is who we're going to draft and then them going to the insiders not knowing whether it's a smoke screen or not i feel like that's a whole organizational thing because you don't want one guy actually telling them the right person and then other people like being like oh no that's not what was supposed to happen 
So I feel like just organization, like cohesiveness is probably the best thing. And cause I feel like most of the time, like the giants over the last five years have not been a well-run organization. And that kind of just went by the wayside, but other teams who are normally better at smoke screens. Like I feel like the Patriots, like everybody thought they were going to trade up and draft a quarterback, but instead like they kept flowing those rumors out there, but instead they waited, they waited. And then they had Mac Jones fall to them anyways. So teams like that who are more well-run, I feel like do a lot better of a job of planting their smoke screens instead of just going right out and saying, hey, this is who we want, and then getting jumped by one pick in the draft. Like the Giants. The Giants always disappoint me. I still I still remember, obviously, Devontae Smith happened, but the Leonard Floyd one was the one that bothered me, bothers me the most. Like Leonard Floyd isn't anything special, but we, we got Eric Flowers because of this, this whole issue with it. And the thing that we traded, we had a trade with the Bears – to move off of pick 11 because Devontae Smith was gone just makes it worse because the Bears were the team that, that jumped us for uh, Leonard Floyd. But to go off of the smoke screens thing, as I, I think that the Eagles executed perfectly. You know, everyone, I, I think everybody thought they needed a receiver. I definitely was like, the Eagles need to get a receiver, but they, they made everybody and their brother believe that they wanted a cornerback in the first round. Everybody thought they were going to try to get Patrick Tain or J.C. Horn, and they kind of sat there, and they obviously jumped the Giants and got the guy who they, they wanted and probably was the best situation for them. But it is very odd to see. You know, I, I feel like teams that are struggling with keeping things internal, like the Giants, they need to figure out a way to just – only make sure that like the important people know about what they actually want. The GM, the head coach, and then obviously the owner and the coordinator specific to that position. So if it's a wide receiver, the OC. But I, I don't know. I think it's just an issue that te- teams need to figure out. Like I don't know why they always lose out there on their guys. And the Giants, I guess, got lucky in a way because they ended up getting a, a solid receiver still in a first round pick. But I, I think teams need to work on their smoke screen some more, like you said, and they instead of just kind of telling people who they already want, like Jalen Waddle to the Dolphins, Jamar Chase to the Bengals, and so on and so forth. But uh, moving on to the uh, quarterback draft class, I want to look at the top five QBs, which are, you know, obviously uh, Kyle Trask and Kellen Maude, right, and Davis Mills. It's a top five. But, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. But just kind of evaluate and see how their careers will do. But start off, Trevor Lawrence, number one pick. How do you think he's going to fare? I I just can't see him failing. Like, I know he's going to Jacksonville, and that's not overly promising. But I kind of feel like his worst-case scenario is kind of like a career similar to Andrew Luck. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be as good or as Andrew Luck, but I feel like it's somebody who's going to drag his team to the playoffs or at least be in contention to make the playoffs consistently. And then if he ends up with a bad GM and a bad coach, like if Urban Meyer doesn't work out, then he's not going to be able to get them over the hump. But if he can actually get surrounded by some good talent and a good coach, then I could see him go. Like I could see him winning a couple Super Bowls with Jacksonville. Yeah, definitely. No, with with Trevor Lawrence, the things that stood out to me with him, obviously, are just, he has a can of an arm. You know, he he's he's been he's had some accuracy issues, but he's still over sixty five percent completion percentage uh, in his career at Clemson, which is pretty solid to have. Just you know, obviously with some of the. Uh, bad receiver like he had this year too with Amari Rogers somehow being the number one there blows my mind he can run he obviously has great size I agree with everything you're saying but I think that he's gonna have a if he stays with Jacksonville because obviously he can leave but he's he's locked in there for what eight years basically I think that he's gonna have a great career with Jacksonville 
just based off of look, they they've always shown that they're willing to spend money. Their owner is always willing to spend money. That's why they had such a, a talented defense. And maybe it wasn't overpaying, you know, Jalen Ramsey at the time. You know, that's why I trade them to the, the Rams, but they had nothing to win, you know, so might as well get some assets from it. So I think that the owners, the ownerships always showed that they're willing to pay for some good guys. And I think that Trevor Lawrence is, you know, we'll say Urban Meyer does, but he's walking into a great situation. You know, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel, Marvin Jones, the, the Triple J, because they're all juniors. They're all solid receivers. They're all, they're not, they're not overly, you know, talented like a Julio Jones, but they're pretty good receivers. I think that James Robinson is, you know, a great running back for a thousand yards and the move to pick up Travis Etienne. I think that was a spectacular move because that means you have a one, two punch. You can take the, take the pressure off of Trevor Lawrence more now. And he has two capable running backs with his, his offensive line. You know, they say that it's not great in Jacksonville, but they have a great guard with Andrew Norwell, a good center with Brandon Linder and who knows how Walker little could do. But I think that's a, it's a solid situation that they can definitely make into a great team for him. But, uh, you know, the next quarterback is Zach Wilson, and he's he's the guy that I like out of the five quarterbacks. He's the one I just don't I just like the most, you know, the four of them. I think that four out of these five, like, believe it or not, I think they can all have superstar careers. But with Zach Wilson, oh. I'm not seeing it. You know, he has a strong arm. You know, he was very accurate. You could see it during the his pro day that he was able to make some good throws. His teammate, Michael Carter, came out and said, oh, he should be number one. But yeah, everyone says that type of stuff, hyping him up. But Zach Wilson, the thing that just worries me the most is his level of competition. And I know it's always don't don't judge a player off their competition. Look at Josh Allen. Look at Carson Wentz playing the FCS, whatever. That doesn't matter, though, because Carson Wentz was playing, you know, the best FCS teams there were. But the thing about it is, is Zach Wilson, he struggled against good teams. And this year, I know BYU – isn't known to have like the greatest talent around him. But BYU had a solid team this year. And the one time they played a team who equaled them in talent, he just did terrible. Ooh. It was against Coastal Carolina. He was getting pushed around. He wasn't able to deliver. And I think that the pressure of New York and the, you know, bad organization, the Jets are just going to bring down his career. Yeah. I, I really, for me, like, I think he's probably the fourth best quarterback in the draft like i really don't know why he was so locked into number two for so long like i don't get it because like what you said with the competition it's like massive step up for him and i kind of wish that if he would have gone to the niners i'd have a lot more confidence in him because then he could sort of sit back and sort of grow into it but just the fact that he's on the jets i feel like he's got pretty much no chance to succeed just because the organization like you said with trevor lawrence like he's got some solid pieces and their owner is good and hopefully they have a good coach and we'll see with the jets like we'll see how they do if they can turn it around but their history just shows that probably in three years they're going to end up drafting another quarterback in the top five because they just can't surround them with any sort of talent yeah i mean i that look zach wilson he has you know denzel mims who could become good elijah moore who could become good robert saw is good at coaching up a defense we'll see how the oc does with him for a, as a quarterback, but I don't know. He, he has a, a good arm, a decent arm, and he's mobile, but he's, it's nothing that blows me away. I was watching even his highlights, even his, some of his best plays that are always constantly ran, they weren't even that good. I remember there was this touchdown pass he threw from like 20 yards out, and everyone thought it was like spot on, but the wide receiver had a like low-key kind of moss the defensive back, and I don't know. He, he's all right. I, I just, I'm not sold on him, and I don't think I ever will be.
But uh, next quarterback, we're going in order here, Trey Lance. You know, he, he's going to a great situation like Trevor Lawrence is. He's going to San Francisco, gets a sit for a year, has uh, a coach that coached somebody similar to him, and uh, Kyle Shannon coached RG3. And I think that Trey Lance is very mobile, good arm, accurate. He's only thrown one interception his entire college career. And he was playing in some of the best, you know, competition in the FCS. And I think that Trey Lance, you know, he was even a, he was just he showed out and he's he's talented, he's mobile. And the thing that really just made me think, you know, Lance could be the real deal was his his like I said, his mobility. But he was able to shake tackles and run over guys like crazy. It was it was absolutely wild the amount of players that he like actually ran over. There's this one play where he's like four yards out from scoring touchdown. And he ran to like two players, knocked them over, and then scored the touchdown. It was it was mind blowing. I think that he could have a good career because he's good arm mobility, he's accurate. Yeah, I I have a lot of confidence in Trey Lance, mostly because of the situation. Like that's obviously a big deal with the quarterbacks, and I do think Kyle Shanahan is the best coach that any of these quarterbacks could go to, just because I mean, turned Matt Ryan into an MVP, you got Jimmy G to a Super Bowl. And Trey Lance's upside is just so high that he could have a sort of Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes type effect. Like, obviously not to the same level. Like, I don't think Trey Lance is going to beat Patrick Mahomes. But just a quarterback who's pretty raw but super talented and could end up after sitting for a year or even just half the year with a super talented offensive coordinator like coach and just end up, like, showing out and becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous and why I'm a little bit hesitant on him is if he doesn't play this year, he only played one game this past season, so we won't have played for a full two years. And so I feel like he could have a lot of growing pains that next year. And that 49ers team is built to win now, so I'm just not sure how patient uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to be with him. But hopefully, if they give him enough time, I think he's going to be a success in the NFL. Yeah, no, I can see that. And something that kind of, like, completion percentage you can kind of read into it a lot but with him you know he was like I say he's accurate but he places the ball in the receiver's hands in stride where they don't have to stop right in the bread basket for them to take off and he's able to make pressure uh, make reads under pressure which is a big thing you know in the NFL there's obviously top the top the best of the best top tier talent always coming after you and for him to be able to stay in that pocket or move out but make reads under pressure and look at his options is really important I think that the the way the 49ers are, at least from what I've been hearing, is they're they're probably gonna play Trey Lance this year, at least in a couple games. Who knows how Jimmy G's gonna do? But you know, he I think his ceiling has already been hit. So if you were if the if the the 49ers got off to the tough start, let's say they go four and four, I think Trey Lance is in there. Yeah, I agree. I just can't see them taking Jimmy G out if they're starting uh if they go like six and two and then they keep winning, it's kind of hard to pull your quarterback at that point, even if he's not actually the quarterback is going to lead them to a Super Bowl. Yeah, now I can see that. Maybe it's going to be a little bit like Miami with Fitzpatrick was in there and Tua was in there. And that was really weird. I think that was a, hopefully not. That was a bad way of managing Tua. I think that really made him like lose confidence. But who knows? I, I trust. I trust in Kyle Shanahan. But uh, the, the fourth quarterback, obviously, to the Bears, Justin Fields. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Well, he's my second favorite quarterback in this draft. I. It's a little bit of an unknown. This is the only one I don't have a strong opinion about how he's going to do. Like, I could see him being great and being, like, 
one of the best two quarterbacks in this draft, but I could also see him being the worst just because I feel like he is NFL ready, but there's just been a lot of question marks on him. And I really don't know why there's been so many question marks on him. Like I have confidence in him, but just going to the bears, they haven't really shown an ability to work well with their quarterbacks. Like I believed in Matt Nagy once he first got there, but their offense, every time I watch like the bears play, it's just so stale. Like they're not like doing a lot of motion. Like whenever you watch the Niners, they've got a lot of movement and they're at least like, even in the run game, you can tell, but I feel like with the bears, it's, it's okay. Like their offense isn't terrible, but it's just I don't know. I think the thing is, though, you know, with the Bears, with Matt Nagy, Nagy was able to develop Mahomes into what he is, but he's never had his hand-picked quarterback. So I think it's been stale, but that also shows how bad Trubisky was. No, I think Trubisky, don't get me wrong, Trubisky did not help, and neither did Nick Foles. But I'm still, I'd be a little bit hesitant based on how much of Mahomes Matt Nagy was versus if it was like 90% Andy Reid and Matt Nagy was just kind of tagging along. I know, and I think that's honestly, I think that's the issue with Eric Bieniemy right now, and why he's not getting hired. Because I have no idea how much he's actually contributing to the success on the offensive side of the ball. But I think Matt Nagy was—I don't know—Andy Reid was good, but I think Matt Nagy helped him a lot right there. And I, I just—he didn't—he wasn't given what he wanted. You know, he was given a quarterback that he didn't actually pick out, which was hard for him to do. But uh, yeah, with I, you, know, I hope Justin Fields ends up being good after all the all the slander that he got for like three months. But we'll see. Hopefully he plays right away. Like, the Bears, they don't need Andy Dalton to start five games just to see that Andy Dalton's not that good. Like, yeah, yeah. Just play I, Justin Fields from the start. They're not going to win the Super Bowl anyways. Like, they might as well just go for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. You know, I was, I was in favor of Fields sitting out for a few games. But the more I've seen him, he, he wants to be a starter. He wants to be in this pressure situation. Obviously, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, for no reason in my mind, their, their jobs are on the line. I don't know why like, at least Matt Nagy's job's on the line right now because he was. this is the first time he's finally as a quarterback, and you don't want to rush a young quarterback. So it's going to be an interesting situation for Fields, but he's kind of embracing it, which is good to see. But I, prior prior to this year, I think at the end of last season in college football, I was, I was fine with putting Fields above Lawrence. You know, I love Lawrence, but I thought that's how much confidence I had in Justin Fields. And, I guess you could say he took a step back in a couple games this year against like Northwestern Indiana, but he's he's talented. You know, there's a reason why I thought that, and other people thought that too. But uh, with Fields, you know, he he fell for a couple reasons. I guess he was his mobility was an issue because he had that deep raise and it kind of held him back. But he's fine for that area. The two stats I found really interesting when I was looking into him. So among all the quarterbacks, you know, in this draft class, uh, he he got pre- he had a, a five percent drop rate, right? So that means balls that should be caught by receivers, obviously they drop the ball, and that was the highest among all quarterbacks, which shows he's doing fine. That the players are making plays. And the other thing was he got pressured on twenty two percent of his plays. Twenty two percent of his plays, he he was forced to make a read earlier. He was getting pressured, so he couldn't make the right decision. And that has nothing to do with that's nothing on his, his fault. You know, if I understand that quarterbacks need to make decisions under pressure, but 22% of the time, that's, that's a lot. That's a hefty ask. So I think that he's talented and I hope it all works out because everyone's kind of just picking on fields for no reason. Yeah. The only other thing I would say about fields that 
like they actually throw the ball down the field at Ohio State. Like a lot of times, like when I would watch Clemson, especially this year, they run screens like two thirds of the time. So like Fields' ability to throw the ball downfield, and he's obviously had a lot of work on it because that's a lot of what Ohio State does in their offense. I feel like that's going to definitely help him translate to the NFL. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is why that that point right there is exactly why I think Mac Jones is going to be low-key a star in this league. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, as good as Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Or I'm not even saying he's the next Tom Brady, but Mac Jones, I think that if he keeps his confidence and puts it together, he can be a top a top A QB. All right. Because when you look at Alabama, okay, hear me out. Just listen to me, right? Because I know you're like, oh, everyone's like, oh, Mac Jones is bad, whatever. But when you look at Alabama, they trust it. Mac Jones with passing the ball downfield more than they ever did with Tua. They put the ball in Mac Jones's hands to throw the deep ball, to throw it, make an accurate pass more than they did with Tua. Obviously, Tua is not as he's just uh, Tua is not looking too great right now. Maybe the the uh, maybe Alabama knew something, but they obviously have trust in Mac Jones. Mac Jones doesn't have a can of an arm. He's not very mobile, but he's a smart guy. He makes the right decisions. His completion percentage against. The best of the best players, because the SEC is the best t- the best conference in all college football. Obviously, they went to the, the national championship one, so they played two talented teams on that path there. He was able to have a 74.3% uh, completion percentage. That's absurd. That's actually an insane completion percentage. And as much as you want to say, oh, the receivers, he had Devontae Smith, whatever, he's getting open. Completion percentage is still being that accurate with the ball is very good. You still have to be able to place the ball well, even if the guy is separation. And there was multiple occasions where I saw Mac Jones play against Tennessee. And there was a defensive back right here. And then the wide receiver was right above the defensive back because he got separation. And the safety was coming down, right? You know, you're going to hit the wide receiver. And there was maybe a yard between each player. Not, not a ton of room. And Mac Jones, it was about a 40-yard pass placed perfect. And John Mechie caught it right before contact, and he held on the ball. He got completed the pass, and he was very accurate with it. And to have that good of a completion percentage also means that you're not placing the ball where receivers can't get it. You're not risking it. You're not taking risks. And he's not a game manager like a Jake Fromm was at Georgia because he was putting in putting Bama in positions to win the game, not, not positions not to lose. And so I think Mac Jones could have a really good career if they coach him up right and he continues to have this mindset of just making the right decisions and placing the ball accurately. Mobility, you know, he ran a 4 seven forty, and people are saying, oh, that's faster than Mahomes. Look, Mahomes is different. He's more athletic than what Mac Jones is. Like, let's be honest. Don't look in a 40 set. Read into, read into it that much. But Mac Jones is – he can he can move in the pocket, and he has a good pocket presence. And he's, he's a talented quarterback. He might not be mobile, but if he can win you games, might as well get him. Yeah, I do not agree. Uh, I'm not saying Mac Jones can be bad, right? He's he's okay. If I had to describe Mac Jones in one word, it would be okay. Like he kind of like I think his upside is like Kirk Cousins. Ryan oh, see, I knew you were gonna say that. Everyone's Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. No, it's a higher upside than that. Higher upside. It's not. Yes, it is. Right. He's a he's a high end game manager. That's what he is. He's a, he's a game manager, but he can throw the ball down the field, kind of. Like, I don't know if you've seen half of Mac Jones' highlights, but 
I'm not even joking when I say I've seen this one clip of Jalen Waddle with at least 20 yards of separation so many times. Like, the only receivers he's throwing to are receivers who are going to be in the NFL. Like, he's had the most stacked offense okay. every single All right, hold play. up. But let me, let me say this to you, though. All right. Let me say this to you. Matt Jones, he played one year with Bama. He did great with that stacked offense. We look at Joe Burrow. Obviously, Joe Burrow has a little bit of a stronger arm. You know, maybe maybe a little bit more mobile. But the same – he had the, the basically the same offense. Two insane receivers, a good running back, and a great O-line. And an NFL OC, okay? Joe Brady, Steve Sarkeesian. What? So what's the difference? Why is Matt Jones so much worse than – Joe Burrow all of a sudden. Look, I don't know if you've ever watched – I don't know if you watched Joe Burrow play at LSU, but he was – like, just watching him, his ability to make plays outside the pocket. He might not be fast, but he's way more agile than Mac Jones. I, know, like, I, I saw him – I can bring back to one play in the SEC championship game against Georgia. This man, Joe Burrow, spun around two defenders and then hit through a 40-yard pass on a dime to Justin Jefferson. It was insane. Like, Joe Burrow is a gamer. And that, like, don't get me wrong. I wasn't the highest. I'm still not the highest on Joe Burrow. Like, I think Joe Burrow is like Tony Romo. I'm like (laughs) Joe Burrow. I I got the Burrow bug right now. Yeah, but, like, He's clearly a lot better than Mac Jones. Like, just watch him play. Like, he's got just so much more upside. I feel like Mac Jones, he's decent. Like, he's fine. But he's not He's not going to be a top eight quarterback I, in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, 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 he is. It's going to be Hamp, T-Law, Spencer Rowler when he's on the Giants, Kyler Murray, you know, Josh Allen. Yeah. But I think that, like, he – the pocket, the 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 pocket passer is, you know, it's a lost art right now. No one, no one really has any pocket passers. You know, like you said, Joe Burrow is able to move out of the pocket and make plays. But I, I, you need to watch some highlights of Mac Jones when he's in the pocket and he's getting pressured because he's able to move up in the pocket and might not roll out, but he still does the same thing in his own unique in his own unique way. Okay, and he used to play tennis, so he's agile. Oh. He's been more athletic. more athletic. So, so he's. I don't think basketball translates to football, like tennis does. Tennis, on the other hand, tennis does. But I think that Mac Jones could definitely be a talented QB. Especially not next Tom Brady. I don't like that whole narrative of him being the next Tom Brady because he's not. There's never going to be another Tom Brady, anyways. But he's he's solid. You know, you look at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is obviously a better prospect than Mac Jones, but same thing. Not as mobile. Manning, Mac Jones, <laughs> Peyton Manning. That's the comparison. I'm not saying he's a Phoenix Peyton Manning, but if you look at Peyton Manning, he doesn't have a strong arm and he's not as mobile. Okay. So there you go. That's a terrible take. I'm not going to lie. Moving on, quarterback sleepers. So those are the top five QBs. Love Mac Jones. Next best thing ever. McCorkle is going to do amazing. But uh, you know who's gonna be uh, who's gonna be the quarterback to watch out that was in this top five? And obviously, uh, Peyton Ramsey's really good, but not in the top five. Let me tell you, I I don't know if I've just been talking myself into this guy since he got drafted, but Kellen Mond is good. <laughs> like, first off, he's good. 
And then second off, he's just in the perfect situation. Like he's got all these weapons around him. Hopefully, like Kirk Cousins just they get tired of him, right? Like they just same like, old Kirk. No one really wants Kirk Cousins. What over overrated version of Mac Jones? Yeah, like nobody wants Kirk Cousins on their team, really. Like I think they're gonna get realize that Kirk Cousins isn't actually gonna lead them anywhere when they signed him, and he's got a massive contract. So I feel like they're gonna try to try to get somebody more dynamic in there, sort of like what like the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. Like they realized that Alex Smith isn't the answer, and I feel like the Vikings are gonna realize that Kirk Cousins isn't the answer. But Kellen Mond, he can come in. He'll have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Like he's he's set up in a great situation if he ever does get the job. So I feel like he has the most upside out of all these quarterbacks who weren't in the top five. I can see that. And so my quarterback that I'm about to say, you know, I think I've already told you this guy, and everyone's going to be, you know, he's not in a good situation. It's He's probably not going to work out that well. But I guess it's a good value pick. I don't know how what I'm trying to say, but watch out for Davis Mills. I'm being completely, completely like tra- honestly 100% like transparent. He could be really good. But he goes to the Texans. The Texans aren't a great situation, and that's gonna that's gonna be the issue for him. He's not in a good situation. But the thing about Davis Mills is he's a third round selection. A lot of scouts came out and said that hey, if he stayed another year, proved to be a little bit more healthy as a QB because he's only he hasn't played that many games. He got hurt. He was obviously backing up uh, KJ Costello at one point at Stanford. But a lot of scouts were saying if he stayed healthy and he had a solid, just a solid, you know, uh, season at Stanford, he'd be a first-round selection. So the fact that he was able to go in the third round, basically saying that hey, he just needs to develop a little bit more to be a solid player. That's as a good selection right there. You know, they like I said, they're afraid of his size, but he ran a four-five-eight forty, which is pretty good. That's pretty mobile. That's pretty good for for a quarterback. He has a strong arm. He's extremely good at anticipating what's going to, what the receiver is going to do. If the receiver is going to get open on that next cut and delivering the ball, that's, that's, that's a great skill to have. And, you know, he, he has the intangibles and he's kind of he's smart and making good decisions. The only concern is, you know, his health and he does, you know, stare down his targets a lot. He does look at his targets and, you know, finds that one guy. He does a little bit of Mitchell Trubisky. He doesn't look at his options. He doesn't scan the field. He just kind of focuses on one guy and says, you know, I'm passing it to you, all right? It's like me and Madden. You know, I, I I see the guy, I run the four vert, got Henry Ruggs on the outside, I'm going to just pass it to him regardless, right? And I'm not making my progressions. I think that the Davis Mills is if, it's a tough situation to go in in Houston, especially with the uncertainty of Deshaun. Tyrod Taylor is apparently the best bridge quarterback in the nation, even though I don't see how. I don't see why people say that because he doesn't translate his skill sets, you know, to a normal quarterback, but people love him. And it's going to be a tough situation, but I think that Davis Mills, if he's given the right quarterback or head coach OC to develop him, and I think Nick Cassiero will be a good GM, give him some good pieces. I think that he can really work out better than most people think. Yeah, I actually, I don't mind Davis Mills. I just, same thing. I don't like the situation at all. Like, if he would have gone to, like, the Saints, maybe, if the Saints decide that they, they actually want a QB, <laughs> I they got you Ian Book, bro. What do you mean? Ian Book's he's well, no yeah, joke. So if you put Ian Book and Davis Mills, then I think Davis Mills would actually have a chance to be pretty good if you let him sit sit for a year and see how he can progress. But I think on the Texans, that place is just a mess right now. It I is. Just, it definitely is. But if you trade Deshaun for a couple first rounders, get him to help you. Davis Mills could be 
he could be the savior of Houston. It's Tom Savage 2.0, but a lot better than not Tom Savage. Uh, but moving on to the receiver draft class, there's three big receivers, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell. Jamar Chase obviously went pick five, first receiver off the board. He wears number one, so he has to be a really good receiver to be wearing number one. You know, he's – I think that Jamar Chase has a high upside. And the thing that kind of worried me, he doesn't have elite speed, and he's not super tall, but he was able to – he's not a he's not a route runner either, but he was able to moss a lot of dudes, a lot of guys. So my concerns are out the window for him. Jamar Chase – 18 touchdowns, nearly 2,000 yards uh, when he was at LSU for his one year with Joe Burrow. He's going back with Joe Burrow, and he made – look, Joe Burrow was making some good plays, but he made Joe Burrow look really good because there was numerous plays that Joe Burrow underthrew Jamar Chase, didn't throw him in, throw the ball to him in stride, and Jamar Chase just straight up mosses the corner or the safety. And he he's, just, he's an elite receiver with good traits, good talents, and solid speed like I mentioned. Uh, and he has a 41-inch vertical, which is – Pretty good to have at a receiver. So I think Jamar Chase is just going to a good situation. Can line up opposite of T. Higgins, so he's not going to be – that's the thing. He's not going to be double-teamed or the primary focus that causes a lot of rookies to have issues, right? You know, college competition, NFL competition is not the same, you know? So I think that he's this is a good situation for him, especially if Joe Burrow can stay upright and his O-line can take step it up a little bit. Jamar Chase is going to have an amazing career in Cincinnati. Yeah. I love Jamar Chase. I think he's gonna be great. Like I'm just saying, him and Justin Jefferson were on the same team, on the same college team, and Jamar Chase was way better than Justin Jefferson in college. And Justin Jefferson absolutely tore up the league last year. So I feel like Jamar Chase, he's back with Joe Burrow. I feel that's a problem with a lot of receivers that they have to, you know, get time to get incorporated, especially in this COVID era when they're not gonna be practicing as much and when as much and time together. And They've already got the Yeah, and he's joining the quarterback that's actually good he's not showing to or Jalen Hurts you know? yeah exactly that combo is actually a good combo <laughs> and I don't know I just love his entire talent all of his like his game tape from 2019 I feel like he's just clearly the best receiver in the class and I I wouldn't be surprised if he has a Justin Jefferson type year and his first or second year he like makes the, he makes the Pro Bowl like I wouldn't be surprised oh I can definitely see that he's gonna be Joe Burrow's favorite target Obviously, that connection's good. And I think it's just really important that he's not going to get all that pressure. I think that's why Jefferson – like, I love Justin Jefferson entering that draft. I definitely thought he was better than where he was selected. He could, he should have gone a little bit higher. Uh, but, you know, Jefferson had the luxury of – you know, Kirk Cousins isn't a great quarterback, but he had the luxury of playing opposite of Adam Thielen, who's a, an amazing receiver that you can't just take your attention off of. And that's why I think Jamar Chase will flourish like, you, you know – and have a great a great season and have a great impact. But uh, the next receiver, Jalen Waddle, pick six to the Miami Dolphins. You know, joining Tua, I hate all the people that are saying, oh, he doesn't want to be with Tua. He was just trying to hype up Mac Jones, you know, his stock. But, you know, Mac Jones is still really good. But uh, he's going to a situation where it's not necessarily as good as Cincinnati, like Jamar Chase is walking into, but same thing. Jalen Waddle is not going to have all the focus. He's, you know, he's going to be a speed threat, but he's not going to have the number one corner on him because there are Will Fuller, who's really solid, and Devontae Parker, who's a great receiver. So I think Jalen Waddle, with Brian Flores as a head coach, you know, he likes to, he knows how to manage, you know, players correctly. I think Jalen Waddle will have a good, a good year. Uh, he's he's five ten, so you know, that's that's always a factor. But he's just fast, and I think Jalen Waddle will have a good season and a good career if, if Tua can 
get him the ball. That's the main issue. And we'll see what happens. But he, he's Jalen Wall is explosive and he's a playmaker with a ball in his hands. So as long as he has the ball in his hands, he'll be good. Yeah, this might be my biggest hot take of the draft, but I just don't rate Jalen Waddle. Like, don't like him? No, not really. Like, he's good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he could be good, but I feel like the situation he's in isn't ideal. Like, obviously, they showed with the whole quarterback situation last year. They don't really have everything under control over on the offensive side of the ball. Like, Brian Flores, defensive coach. So, I don't know how much attention the offense is really going to get, or how much good coaching, at least, the offense is going to get. Because I don't think they're going to move on from Brian Flores because he's clearly a successful coach. But so I don't know what sort of offensive minded guys they're going to get in because most of the best guys are trying to get OC or trying to get head coaching jobs instead of OC jobs. And with Tua, who knows? Like, I don't know if they're actually going to be any good with Tua. Like, he could turn it around, but it's not even promising. And I don't think they're going to be drafting that high again. So I don't know where they're going to get this elite quarterback from. And Jalen Waddle. I'm not going to say he's John Ross, right? Like, he's better than John Ross. Like, he's more elusive. He's not just straight up running in a straight line, and that's his only skill. But I just feel like he's going to end up lost kind of just as a – he's only a deep threat. He's like your second or third wide receiver. But I can't ever imagine Jalen Waddell becoming your best wide receiver on a decent team. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying, but I think Jalen Waddell – look – Obviously, it didn't work out for Ruggs, uh, John Ross. You can go on and on with the list. You know, I, I do say you need to have a receiver with elite speed. That that can really help him a lot. Obviously, the, the best the best one that can do it is Tyreek Hill. And I see what you're saying, but if Tua is the quarterback that, you know, if he's able to actually open up and make plays, he's not going to have a guy pressuring him anymore. You know, people were saying, oh, we should go, they should go Fields. I remember Colin Coward even said, oh, get Justin Fields in there, have some competition, whatever. But Tua... Two is in, in the spot of, hey, this is your team. Do what you want. Whatever happens, happens. I think that that's going to help Tua. And Jalen Waddle has that good connection with him. You know, obviously they played together in college. And I think Jalen Waddle's going to get the ball and he's going to be fine. Like, I, I, he's going to be not bad. You should rate, you should rate him because if he has the ball in his hands, he's, he's fine. That's how it's always been. Every year you see him. You know, you saw him two years ago, for the first four games this year. When he has a ball in his hands, he's fine. He does. He's not maybe amazing at route running, you know, or separating, but his speed will help him separate and getting the ball in his hands will make him be a playmaker. So I think that he's going to be a solid receiver just with a different skill set than a regular receiver would have. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be bad. Don't get me wrong. Like in, in theory, I like Jalen Waddle. Like he's got a lot of upside. I'm just worried about how much and how effectively Miami's going to use him. Like, I, I just don't think, and also with the skill set, I just don't think he's deserving of like a top 10 pick. I think he's more of like a late first round guy, but that's, that's just me. Obviously, everybody else thinks he's a lot better. Well, I think that he should have fallen a little bit because of the smaller sample size, but I do believe like, you know, it's going to be tough seeing how it comes off this injury, you know, have, coming off the ankle injury can really impact his explosiveness and his, you know, his agility. But I think that he's better than Devontae Smith in terms of, playmaking ability. Devontae Smith obviously had a great year at Bama, but you know, there was plays where it was he just got the ball thrown to him on the wide receiver screen and made like four guys miss. And Jalen Waddle was supposed to be that. That's what everybody thought he was. And he showed, you know, the year prior that he was better, he was more explosive and more agile. 
So it's going to be tough to see what happens with ankle injury, but the upside is definitely there. And I think Jalen Waddle can have a good career. I think that he can be fine at being a playmaker. You know, he's going to be really, it just it ultimately depends on how he recovers from his injury. But moving on to Devontae Smith with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, I think you like him. You like Devontae? You think he's I good? I like Devontae. Yeah. yeah. I like Devontae. And, you know, I'm not doing this because of any biases or whatever. You know, I, I said earlier in the show that, look, Devontae has to be a number one. You know, Jalen Rager's not that – he's he's not good. Jalen Rager's bad. Devontae's going to walk in the situation in Philly, be a number one, play with the quarterback who I don't think is that, that capable of doing that well when Jalen Hurts. You know, everyone's saying, oh, he had a couple of games in the NFL, you know, watch out for him. But he had a couple of bad games in the NFL as well. You know, he only played four. He wasn't anything special in college. He was fine against the Big 12 defense. He got benched in the SEC, you know, in their national championship, which is just mind-blowing. You know, why would you want a quarterback that – he got benched for a reason, you know. I just think that Devontae Smith, he lacks speed. He didn't want – he, he had so many times to run the 40. And he said, I don't want to run the 40. I don't want to run the 40. And, you know, I'm not all into, hey, read too, into the, too much into the 40. But the fact that he didn't want to run the 40 and he didn't want to weigh in it's kind of concerning. He's only 5'11". And I'm not one of those guys saying he needs to put on more weight. When you look at Tutu Atwell, of all people, who's 5'7 and weighs 160, getting drafted, you know. I don't think that Devontae Smith's weight's the issue, but he just doesn't have height, and his speed is a concern. He's a, supposed to be a playmaker. He can create separation. Obviously, he did really well, you know, in college, but he's not going to be a number one. And if, if he becomes number one, he can't be a number one to start. He has to work his way up. So I think he just went to a bad situation in Philly where if he's forced to be the number one guy there with Jalen Hurts at QB, it's not going to work out for him. Yeah, I'm I'm the only reason I'm worried about Devontae Smith is because of the situation. Like Philly, they're a mess right now. I don't think Jalen Hurts is any good. Or at least if he is, if he is good, he's gonna be in like the Lamar Jackson type of quarterback. Like they have to build a good running game and the receivers kind of get overlooked. And that was, that's been a big problem for a lot of the Ravens receivers. That's why I'm kind of nervous about Rashad Bateman. But I think that if he gets put into like the right situation, like if Jalen Hurts does end up becoming good or if they get a new quarterback in and they can find a way to use Devontae Smith, like in the national championship game, they were moving Devontae Smith all over the field. Like they were running all sorts of routes. Like he can run pretty much every route, which I think is important because a lot of receivers when they come out of college can only run like three or four max. Like they're either a short underneath guy, catch a lot of screens, or they're basically just a deep threat. Whereas I think Devontae Smith's a lot more versatile, which I think is going to help with the added pressure he's going to have on him being the number one receiver. But overall, I just think his production kind of shows for itself. I mean, he won the Heisman for a reason. Like, I think that him just being as good as he was in college and all the production he put up, he's going to succeed in the NFL. I don't know whether he's going to be to the level that Jamar Chase does, but I don't see him being I, – like, I don't think he's going to be as good as Jamar Chase, but I can't see him being bad. Like I think he's going to be, at worst case, like a really good number two or like an okay number one. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. That's what I was saying. I just – Devontae, he could be – He's just going to a bad situation. It's as simple as that. Jalen Hurts isn't capable of making the big plays and finding Devontae Smith. And Smith will get frustrated because Philly, you know, Philly, you hear the noise when you're in Philly, right? You hear the, the 
you know, fans and the media, they want to win. They want to win now. And they'll, he'll definitely hear it. And he's not going to be used to that culture, culture shock coming from Bama always winning. But it's, it's going to be a tough situation for him. You know, if he went to the Giants, it would be a better situation, not because of quarterbacks, but he'd be number two receiver, number three even. He wouldn't have as much pressure to, hey, like, get it together now. And I just – I think that's, that's going to get to him. You know, it's going to – it gets to everybody at, at some point in time. And so I think it's just a – it's a bad spot for him because he's going to be expected to be good. And it's, it's tough to be good in that area. But, uh, you know, like the quarterbacks, what's your uh, what's your wide receiver sleeper? I'm going to go with Rondell Moore. Oh, I do not like you. That was my guy. That was my selection. I really like Rondell Moore. Like, <laughs> coming out of college, I really liked him. Like, I think he definitely could have gone first round. But I was – before, like, the draft, You, if you would have asked me this, I probably would have said Rashad Bateman, but I don't like the situation that he's in. And I love Rondell Moore's situation. Like, he can sort of sit back, not have a super pivotal role this year. But, I mean, A.J. Green, he only has a one-year contract. Like I think they're going to – I think the Cardinals are going to move off of him. And then Rondell Moore is going to come in and be their number two across from D-Hop. So, he's not going to have any pressure on him. Like, people are going to double D-Hop all the time. And with Rondell Moore's speed and explosiveness, I could see him being a, an incredible number two. Plus, they've also got Kyler Murray, who I think is great. So, I don't know. I think he's – I think he's in a great – place to succeed yeah so i was gonna say ronda moore as well i'm sticking with it i'm not gonna change my answer because you stole it whatever but with, Ron- gotta- but with, but with ronda moore look he's his height he's very 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 sure he's five seven he runs a fourth 4.2940 which is he's fast he's explosive i remember in 20 2018 i want to say that was his first year and he put up 1300 yards and 12 touchdowns against big 10 competition you know, they were trying to stop him. They just couldn't. Then in 2019-20. That was the game that really put him on the map. Yeah, exactly. In 2019, terrible quarterback play. He had two quarterbacks that he kept alternating with because they couldn't find one. 2020, same issue. Kept alternating with the same two quarterbacks, and they couldn't get him the ball. Obviously, their random mower was getting, you know, focused on more by defenses. And that allowed David Bell, the other guy, to flourish at Purdue. But Rondell Moore is really good. He's explosive. He's nifty. And, you know, I like Kadarius Tony a little bit more as a raw player. And you look at the two, compare them. But I think Rondell Moore is just going to the best, the best situation, a way better situation than what Tony's going to. He's going to a Cliff, King, Cliff Kingsbury ran offense. You know, he was a very good at using gadget guys properly. He's going to a situation, like you mentioned, where he's not going to be number one, not going to be number two. Hell, maybe not even be number three because Christian Kirk is also there. But Rondo Moore is gonna he's gonna be able to maximize what he's best, his burst, his explosiveness, and just his playmaking ability. So I, I agree with you on Moore being the uh, the being the sleeper. Yeah, I've got a couple other guys who I do like. I know you're not gonna like this one. Amari Rogers. I like Amari Rogers. I don't I don't mind. I think, I think he's that good. I just re, you know, if Aaron Rodgers stays, he's got a good chance to be the number two receiver in Green Bay. So like He's just going to put up numbers just because he's got Aaron Rodgers and he's going to get a lot of targets. And then I also got Deami Brown going to the football team. Oh, okay. All right, Chris Sims over here. Well, yeah, because, I, you know, Chris Sims writes. I mean, Chris Sims knows what's up. And then also he can be the number two off scary Terry McLaurin. And I don't know. I just feel like he's more of a deep sleeper, but I could see him like having a really good like first couple of years and then no, I, could, I could see him I, I definitely I, I definitely can get behind that you know 
I don't think Elijah Moore is going to do too well. Uh, the player to look at is uh, Josh Palmer from Tennessee. He was always solid. You know, he was a good player. He went to the Chargers now, and he's not going to be forced into a situation where he has to be a one or two. He's going to be a three. He could be an interesting player. He has height. He's solid. Good player at Tennessee. I had no quarterbacks there. But uh, I, I, I just think that Rondo Moore is just going to the best situation for him. You know, you could look at other guys like Rodney Terrace Marshall fall. That's a question I've, I've been wondering. He's, what, 6'4". You know, he's LSU's number one. He was obviously great there. LSU produces receivers. Uh, like you said, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Uh, but I don't think he's going to a good situation in Carolina. Neither is Rashad Bateman in Baltimore. So I, I expect to see Rondo Moore do pretty well. But uh, talking about another receiver, I guess a running back receiver. I don't, I don't know what what he is anymore. But Travis Etienne. Um, so he got drafted by Jacksonville, pick twenty five, and reports came out saying during his mini camp that he's going to take all his reps at wide receiver. And some quotes, you know, Urban Myers said, "Worst case scenario, you have a running back that's elite with receiver skills." And then when Etienne was asked about it, obviously he's going to be fine. He said, "I feel great about it." It's going to help me maximize my opportunity and skill set. I feel like coach knows what he's doing, and I think it's going to work out well. Football is a game of matchups. We're just trying to get the best matchup. So with ETN, look, guys, I just want to say pump the brakes. He's not becoming a wide receiver. He's not going to be a receiver. I named three solid receivers for Jacksonville, LaVisca Chanel, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones. Travis ETN is not better than any of those guys, and if he improves his receiving, he's still not going to be better than any of those guys. But I think what they're trying to do is make him into an Alvin Kamara type of running back. And so when you look at it, you have James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Alvin Kamara was always with Mark Ingram or now Latavius Murray. Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray, power backs. They can run the ball down your throat. What is James Robinson? A power back. He's not, great at he's not a receiving back. He's a power back. Run the ball down your throat. That's why he got 1,000 yards. He's young. He's good. Running backs have wear and tear. So if you have two running backs to minimize the wear and tear, two great running backs like Mark Ingram was with Alvin Kamara, the wear and tear comes down. Travis Etienne, obviously a very capable running back. He had 1,600 plus rushing yards in two seasons or in two different seasons with Clemson and then 900 yards. You know, then he was a freshman the other year. So he's capable at running the ball. But he's always been improving his receiving in college. And if he if Urban Meyer can take another step up with his receiving backs, you know, that's pretty impressive. You saw what he was able to do with some of his running backs in Ohio State. They were receiving backs, except for Zeke. But in the four years ETN was at Clemson, first year, five catches for 57 yards. Second year, 10 catches for 65 yards. Third year, 29 catches for 300 yards. And his final year, 44 catches for 500 yards. Obviously improving. And if you look at the, the measurables compared to Alvin Kamara, they're both 5'10". They both weigh 215 pounds. Same weight, same height. Both very, you know, uh, elusive. But Etienne's much faster. He went a 4'3", 40. Well, Kamara only ran a 4'5", 40. So I think that he's just trying to make him into a receiving back and possibly molding him into the next Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I – obviously, I agree with you. There's no way they're playing him at receiver. Like, they're not actually going to be like, okay, Alvin Kamara – you know, Travis Etienne is our new fourth string wide receiver. We just drafted in the first round. Like, if, if that's actually what they were thinking when they were drafting him, they would have just gone with one of the wide receivers who was available if they really wanted a wide receiver that bad. But I've got another comparison for you who I think if they're actually going to, 
like have all of his reps during rookie mini camp because obviously it's not that long once he gets back to the team he's going to get more reps at running back i probably i'd say maybe so. Le'Veon bell because Le'Veon bell when he played for the Steelers, did line up at wide receiver probably like 25 percent of the time like not an overwhelming amount but enough so that he asked on his contract to be get paid like a number one running back and a number two wide receiver combined. But, that caused that cost a lot of issues right there. Yeah, but I could see maybe Urban Meyer thinking that sort of route for him where he plays a lot of running back, but then also he can split out wide and they're just trying to work on maybe getting like two or three routes that he can run effectively. So that way they can just throw off the defense. Like, he, like Travis said, get a lot of mismatches. And that sort of thing so that way they don't wear him out because whenever he's playing wide receiver he's getting hit less and by you know corners or safety so he's not getting worn down by all these defensive linemen so that way they can still run the one-two punch with james robinson yeah, definitely you know i i saw urban meyer even said that hey he was disappointed tony got drafted ahead of him he wanted to get Kadarius tony at 25. maybe not the best thing to say but he's just showing like we wanted Kadarius tony another receiver probably would have gone 18 at 33 if it all worked out but what I'm trying to go off of that was with Tony, you know, he's a very explosive type of receiver playmaker. And I think that he's trying to make ET, ETN is always a playmaker at running back. So he wanted, he wanted to get his guy with ETN, but ETN, if they can make him into the explosive receiving type of back as well, he kind of makes up for that misses of not getting a Kadarius Tony type of guy. So all in all, I think that what Urban Meyer is doing isn't, isn't dumb. I think the people are just kind of like to make up topics with it. But uh, that's that's the show right there. That's everything we have. You know, any any final thoughts that you want to deliver? Well, I'm just saying, Steelers, Najee Harris, rookie of the year. Get ready for it. See that one handed catch he had for like five yards? That made yeah, him, there you was go. So awesome. That was so. He's, yeah, he's yeah, he's who needs Travis Etienne when you have Najee Harris right there making those one handed catches. But it was a pleasure talking to you, Drew. Ho- hopefully. We can do it again. We will do it again. You know, this show is here to stay at least for the next couple of months. All right. So thank you for coming on and talking about some uh, some NFL. We'll be doing it again, probably evaluating some other positions and maybe even looking at the, the NBA playoffs with your non-existent thunder. You know, you hate to see it. But no, I appreciate it. I'll be back on whenever. All right. Sounds good.